You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. You know, as I look at the human condition, it seems like one of the things we all share in common is that we want to be liked. We want to fit in. I remember living in fear in elementary school of being the last one picked. Can you feel that? The last one picked for kickball or something. Very humiliating when the teacher has to come over and kind of move you over to the team. Because I wanted to fit in. But when you play that game spiritually, it can be really, really dangerous. Because there's a tug to become something that you're not. And so as we see cultural values changing all around us, all of a sudden our traditional biblical values seem really old-fashioned. And following God is sort of like living on Mars. But despite all of that and changing worldviews, it doesn't mean that you have to change. And so as we look at the story of Daniel, he's in that spot right now. He, he has some decisions to make. They are life and death decisions. And when the king ordered everyone to worship him, Daniel didn't have to scramble around and and figure out where where he was going to go to church and find his Bible. And if it was a modern-day Daniel, he didn't learn systematic theology all of a sudden. He just kept doing what he had been doing for years. Just walk faithfully with God. And so that's what I want for you, because when you walk faithfully with God, you avoid the pitfalls of this cultural shift and change, pitfalls like estrangement from God, which is spiritually fatal. And so what we're going to see this morning is, though it's very, very tempting, don't let culture change who you are. Don't let it happen. And we're going to do it in the book of Daniel. So if you want to grab a Bible, phone, tablet, you can turn to Daniel 6. And if you want to use that Bible in the seat back in front of you, you can turn to page number 743, Daniel chapter 6. Now when you think of Daniel, the first thing that comes to mind has to be Daniel in the lion's den, of course. That's where we are in this narrative this morning. And you'll remember, last time we talked about King Belshazzar, who was killed by invading forces. Now Darius the Mede is the king of Babylon. And we'll see Cyrus enter the picture. We're not sure if he's a a new king or if he's just another name for, for Darius. But Darius is the focus of this interaction here with Daniel. And in verses 1 and 2, Daniel explains that there were 120 governors that ruled over Babylon's provinces. And they were overseen by a smaller group of leaders, high leaders, and Daniel was one of these high echelon leaders. In verse 3, we see that he was on the rise because of the kind of person that he was. So look at chapter 6, verse 3 with me. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was found in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So this was an exceptional man. 
who lived out his faith in front of others. And here's the first thing I want to bring home to you this morning. As culture falters, your Christ-like living will stand out to others. You will make an impression. I mean, here's Daniel. Daniel had been in Babylon for many years. By this time, he's about 80 years old. And he had survived regime changes and different kings, and he had been endeared to each one of them, including Darius, which is amazing when you think about it. Here's a teenager who was captured in Israel, Judah, and brought there, and he rose because of the kind of person that he is. And listen, when you walk with God faithfully, you will stick out. You'll get noticed. And culture, and when I say culture, I'm talking about society, the world system. As it drifts further and further from God, it doesn't take a perfect person to make an impression. Sometimes simple attributes like integrity and kindness or purity. Or how about a new one in our, in our society? Respect for other people or simple servanthood. Make huge impressions. People know that you're different. And Daniel was a great example of a man who just kept being the man that he'd always been. And everyone noticed, and kings began to trust him. And likewise, your integrity, your godly living will stand out to others. And that's real hope because that's how you make an impression for Jesus. But here's the problem. Daniel's godliness also elicited jealousy. And as these other governors sought to pin some kind of fault on him in order to entrap him, they couldn't find anything. Now think about that for a moment. He's 80 years old. And they couldn't find anything to trap him with. And so they have to start making things up And they have to start this plot that we read about now beginning in verse 4. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. That's That's amazing. These leaders were looking for trouble, and Daniel's life left nothing for them to grab onto. And then they had to make something up, and that's embarrassingly obvious, what they're trying to do here. But look at the results of Daniel's faithfulness. He lived above reproach. No error or fault was found in him. There was no discernible fault that these guys could find. And so here's the second point I want to make. In order to shine your light for Jesus, this is very simple, but live a life that is above reproach. Live a life that is above reproach. And here's a scary question to ask. If somebody were to really investigate you, if somebody were to look under the hood and examine your integrity and your purity, what would they find? What would they find? The Bible is very clear on this regarding leaders in Titus 1 7. 
Paul writes that an overseer must be above reproach. In 1 Peter 3.16, for all of us, we are to have a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. In other words, when they come after you like they did Daniel, they're going to be put to shame because there's nothing to find. Now, God isn't looking for you to be perfect because that's not realistic. It can't happen this side of heaven. But what he's talking about here is living a life where you're you're walking lockstep with the Holy Spirit. And when you do mess up, you say you're sorry. You don't hide things. You don't live in secret. And you leave nothing for your enemies to trap you with. And so this is a really good practical demonstration for us about how to live with our beliefs in front of us. Don't leave anything for your critics. Stand out because you're different, because you're living this kind of life. All right, back to the plot now. The jealous governors in Babylon were misleading the king. They outright lied. Look at verse 7. All the high officials of the kingdom... The prefects, the satraps, the counselors, and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, this isn't, this isn't true. It, it says that all of the high officials of the kingdom, they said, no, Daniel wasn't there. And the king lazily didn't ask, well, what does Daniel think? Instead, he knew that Persian law was such that a king couldn't revoke an order, so they duped him into signing this ordinance that for 30 days prohibited the worship of anyone but Darius. Now, Daniel's reaction is telling in verse 10. We see that he goes about his worship as normal, This decree, the change in the wind didn't even deter him. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. This was a pattern for him. And and Daniel had learned a lesson that's good for all of us to remember. In order to withstand the pull of culture, in order to not let it change you, we can develop spiritual disciplines. And this is really, really important. You notice that Daniel's just doing what he always did. He pointed himself toward his homeland. The windows were open. He wanted to commune with God, and he prayed three times a day. Here's what he could have said. Oh well, this is only 30 days. You know, God, you put me in this position. I'm super important to your plan. So this will all blow over. What's 30 days? Let's take a break. He didn't do that. He didn't do that at all. In fact, he knew exactly what to do. He courageously stuck with his disciplines. He didn't change who he was to satisfy anybody or even to save his life. He just was a faithful man. He didn't see any need to change. And granted, it takes courage 
It takes courage to stand for Jesus, whether it's at school or whether it's at work or whether it's in the neighborhood or, or on the golf course, wherever you are, you're going to be ridiculed for your faith. Sometimes you're going to be ostracized from family and friends. And in some countries, it'll get you killed. But a faithful person, a faithful believer, is one who stands up to the pressure because that person knows who God is. And the only way to discover who God is is by practicing spiritual disciplines. Bible, prayer, fasting, community of Christians. If you don't have that, and as our culture becomes more and more hostile to Christianity, you're going to get swallowed up. So prepare now. Begin now. And learn how to be aware of what's going on around you. Look for people to tell about Jesus. After all, we are to be here to make disciples. That's our role. That's our job for the glory of God. And that's what Daniel was doing. He lived a life that was above reproach. So when these guys came and they tried to entrap him, they couldn't find anything. And so he was the same person always. Well, then comes the moment of truth here. The king was trapped. The same group comes back to him, and they actually rightly accuse Daniel of breaking the rules, because he did. So Darius had no choice. Look at verse 12. He had to stick to this honor code of the Persians. Verse 12, then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Now it seems as though the king was legitimately saddened that he had been taken off course, that he had been lied to. Look at verse 16. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, see he had gotten it, he'd seen Daniel do this, may that God deliver you. Now, that's a, a little bit, you know, cowardly. I'm going to sign a, a warrant here to get you killed, but I hope you don't get killed. There he goes. This den for the lions was probably some kind of an underground cave. A stone sealed it. The king put his seal on it. And there was basically no hope for Daniel. I mean, it, nobody could survive this. Outside of God's power, that is. And so here's something you need to keep in mind as you're navigating culture. You can't stand strong against cultural forces on your own. You know, if you just try to will this to be, it's not going to work. It's the power of God at work in your life that will be your lifeline. Daniel was left for dead. The, these lions would devour him in seconds. And if you're thinking in the back of your mind right now, that this sounds a little bit like the story of Jesus and a tomb that was sealed. Yeah, you're thinking like the early church because they put these two together. It's very much like an event. 
that took place hundreds of years later when another man, an innocent man, Jesus, the Son of God, faced a conspiracy against him, sentenced to death, placed in a tomb, a stone rolled over it, sealed by Pontius Pilate. But guess what? Their efforts were totally in vain because Jesus rose from the dead. And it wasn't going to stop Daniel either. You know, I'm always amazed of how these Old Testament narratives pave the way for Messiah and how there's a reflection of Messiah, a foreshadowing of Messiah here in this narrative. Jesus was tempted, but he did not sin. His ministry was to carry that cross. His ministry was to die. His ministry was to carry sin and pay for it once and for all for those who believe in him could be saved. And then that tomb couldn't hold him. He rose from the dead. You know, it comes to the power of God. Who cares who seals it? God's not in any way. You know, God's probably sitting there going like, yeah, big deal, nice seal. Have you ever met me? I can do some stuff. And in our lives, sometimes we forget that God can do some stuff. And so here's Daniel. And when you're thinking of Daniel, when you're, when you're seeing the story unfold, maybe this is the time when you can remember that God is at work in your life and you can get yourself right with God or you can take courage that God is with you. Because you can't do this on your own. You need the power of God. Daniel knew where his strength came from. He had been practicing prayer, discipline for years. So he wasn't the least bit rattled. And I love that about him. And it was a life of holiness that got everyone's attention. And now the miracle of salvation happens in the midst of certain death. The text here tells us the king spent a sleepless night. He awoke in the morning. He ran to the tomb. And Darius cried out for Daniel. And then, from the midst of the pit, impossibly, it couldn't happen. And you can almost hear it faintly, you know, the echo in the cave. It's Daniel's voice. In verse 21 and 22, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. And they did not harm me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I love that. I have done no harm. What a moment. Impossible. God does the impossible. God is all about the impossible. And look at what God did here. And this is the final point I want to make to you this morning is don't fear. Don't fear cultural forces because God is more powerful than any of them are. And so you don't have to live in fear of them. And somehow Daniel emerged from the den unharmed. And just to prove that these were real lions, he was so angry at his conspirators conspirators that he threw all of them and their families into the pit and they were devoured in seconds and this is quite a sad verse here in 24 and before they reached the bottom of the den the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces guess what the lions were real the lions were dangerous cultural forces are real 
The enemy is real. The forces coming against you are real. And they're powerful. But not as powerful as God. God's power is bigger and better. God is not deterred by these things. And just as the case with Nebuchadnezzar, Darius passed a degree that his kingdom then would tremble before the God of Daniel. And it's remarkable, really, the effect a godly and faithful man had on a king and his kingdom. And sometimes we just underestimate the effect that we can have by simply walking with God and being who we are. Not letting culture change us. But there's no doubt it takes courage. His friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they they walked into a fiery furnace. Daniel prayed knowing that he was signing his death sentence. It takes courage. But the call from God to the faithful believer is not to change the world. It's to be faithful. And that's what I want for you. To to just keep walking with God during this cultural upheaval. Because when you're faithful, you'll avoid the pitfalls, the anxiety, the anger, the fear, the hopelessness that is just pervading everything right now. A believer has an option. Hold the hand of God and find peace or walk into this darkness and try to fend for yourself. That's kind of the choice that is there. And then, of course, the ultimate outcome, if you decide that you don't want God, you will then face an eternity without Him. I don't want you to go there. I want you to remain a faithful believer. I want our church to remain a faithful church. I want us to walk with God regardless of the circumstances. Yeah, we're coming out of COVID, I think. Not sure anymore. Yes, money is tight. Yes, we've lo- you know, we're still looking for 30% of our congregation, like all churches are. But we can't just stop. I mean, every day, men, women, and children are making decisions. They're eternal decisions. We can't just say, oh, COVID's hard. Oh, we don't have enough money over there, so we'll just wait. Does that sound like Daniel to you at all? And so as a church, we can be this kind of faithful church. And we don't have to set the world on fire. We don't have to be noticed by anybody. That we can walk faithfully with God and he'll, he'll steer us where he wants us to go. And that's what I want you to do too. Be the person you are. And when culture is trying to trap you and push you and, and, and straining you, Don't let culture change you because God is far more powerful. Let me pray. God, thank you for this amazing narrative. Thank you for helping us to learn that this faithful man stared down all of these these temptations to to give up, all of these temptations to to put his prayer life aside, all the fear of, of dying, And here he was just walking with you and everyone acknowledged it. This is what he did every day. And God, will you make make me this kind of faithful Christian? 
Will, will you help each of us in this room just to find joy in walking with you and holding your hand through just turbulent times? And as a church, God, will you steer us and help us to walk in faith? Will you help us, God, to fulfill the vision and the ministry that you have for us? Because frankly, God, you're more powerful than any of the circumstances that are going on around us. It doesn't matter to you who's in government. It doesn't matter to you what kind of diseases are floating around. It matters personally, of course. But as far as doing ministry, God, you're not the least bit deterred by that. You're not rattled by that. You're God. So we trust you. And we ask you to build that kind of faith into us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.